Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card... Right this way. It's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash credit card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash credit card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com/activecash. The volume. DraftKings Sportsbook an official betting partner of the NFL playoffs, is bringing you an offer to help make the playoffs electrifying. New customers can bet 5 bucks on any game and get 200 instantly in bonus bets. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook now and use code JOHN. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code J-O-H-N, JOHN. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction, Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. What is going on, everybody? John Middlecoff, 3 and Out Podcast. How are we doing? We are going to dive in today to some Brock Purdy conversation floating around out there on the interweb on television streets that I wanted to address. Josh Allen as well. Saw a lot of takes on him that made me shake my head. Dan Campbell, I think one area that painted a picture about him originally that a lot of people missed on because of the way he communicated. And then the pressure on Lamar Jackson that a lot of other quarterbacks have not been able to figure out against Patrick Mahomes. So, uh, I know that they're two quarterbacks, they don't play each other, but what it would mean for him to, uh, to beat the Chiefs, because let's face it, it would be pretty massive. He's going to win a second MVP, and uh, you beat Mahomes and Andy Reid, you, you get that notch on your resume, something that's going to age really well. So, we'll dive into that, and obviously football conversation all week, we'll have Stucky on later this week. I'll, I'll give out, I, I got already placed some bets on Torrey Pines, I'll, I'll give those out tomorrow. Yeah, we'll just keep hammering content. We got a YouTube page. Go check that out. Obviously, if you listen on Collins' feed, make sure you subscribe to the 3 and Out feed. Appreciate everyone that has. We have thevolume.com. You can find 3 and Out merch. Get yourself a hat. Appreciate everyone that's, that's bought one. Keep, uh, keep firing down that merch. Other than that, a lot of football talk coming up. Uh, but before we dive into some football, you guys know I need to tell you about my friends, very close friends, partners, and the official ticketing app of this podcast. Go to your smartphone. Go to your iPad and download a little app that we like to call Game Time. And the Game Time app, which is the number one ticketing app for me without question, you can go to any event. You can go to a football game. There's three left. Do you live in one of these cities? Do you live in the, uh, the Northeast Corridor? You want to go to the Baltimore Chiefs game? Do you live in California? Are you a Niner guy? Do you want to go to the Niner game? Well, just download the app, promo code JOHN, J-O-H-N, promo code JOHN. You save $20. Concerts. You want to go to a concert, any concert, anywhere, 
Just type in the venue or type in the artist that you want to see. Find the stadium, arena, wherever, and buy a pair of tickets. Promo code John. Download the Game Time app. Cannot recommend them enough. Okay, let's start with Brock Purdy because I, I saw a lot of conversation, a lot of negativity surrounding him. I saw a lot of people pushing back in my direct messages about some of my conversation about him. Overall, there's just a lot going on. Obviously, Ryan Clark said some things today on ESPN that had Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel firing back on Instagram, supporting their guy. And I think a couple things can be true. Brock Purdy this season, as the pick 262, second year in the NFL, first year as a full-time starter, start to finish, had a fantastic season. It is not debatable. He was really good. Beside a couple games, welcome to football, you get some bad games. He had an unreal season. Honestly, for them, couldn't have been much better. Cleveland game, Baltimore game, clearly would like back. But in terms of the regular season, he was fucking awesome. Was near the lead, if not in the lead, in the majority of statistical categories for quarterbacks. Saturday night against the Green Bay Packers, he was not good. So you can have a good season and then have a bad playoff game. Peyton Manning had a ton of them, right? Great seasons, bad playoff games. Aaron Rodgers a couple years ago against the 49ers at home. Great season, awful playoff game. This is hard. This is football. And we don't have, this isn't like, well, let the month play out. Let, let, let's, uh, let's watch a long sample size. This is football. We react off individual game situations, right? And clearly, with Brock, he can't hold the ball when it's wet. We've seen now multiple times. That is something. In good conditions, he's good. Jared Goff, who's had an excellent season. Honestly, two very good back-to-back seasons. We've seen him before in weather games outside. He's not the same player. Not everybody is Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen. And that's the other thing I saw today on the old uh, four-letter network streets is I can't believe we had to compare this guy to Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. Who the fuck did that? Who in their right mind at any time this season, no matter what his stats were or how good his game, thought that Brock Purdy was as good as those two guys, making a combined $700 million. And honestly, like two of the greatest players in the sport I've ever seen. Mahomes is already like a top three quarterback in the history of the league. And I think we all agree, uh, hopefully his team can do better. And I, I do think eventually, like Peyton Manning, we'll get into him here in a little bit, that Josh Allen eventually is going to win some of these big games because, you know, as an individual, I thought he was incredible yesterday. But as a pure talent, we, he's one of the great talents we've ever seen in league history. Who's comp- Lamar Jackson, like, they, yeah, they were competing for the MVP. Right, L- Lamar didn't have some statistically great season up until the last three or four games when he added a bunch of touchdowns. But no one would argue as a talent, Brock Purdy is more talented than Lamar Jackson. Right, And then when you have a bad game, because in football, the Packers and Niners I saw today did almost 40 million people. Shocker, two of the biggest brands in the biggest league, the NFL playoffs. I don't even need to see like, biggest game since we know ratings are being shattered a lot of people watch the NFL right now but like he was bad and and I think we need to be able to separate like he's a good player or had a really good season he had a bad game and then projecting him moving forward I would not give him some long-term contract based off what I've seen off two years they're a year away from even having to have that discussion but we've already seen and part of the reason why the 49ers the quarterback discussion it's fair to have. Like, I don't view, I'm a 49er guy. Brock Purdy, like he's on some scholarship. If you said, John, would you put $10,000 that he's going to be the quarterback for the next six years? No. Kyle Shanahan has just proven. Jimmy Garoppolo got him to a Super Bowl. Two years later, they're drafting his replacement. Then two years after trading three first-round picks for Trey Lance, he is traded to the Dallas Cowboys. Trey Lance, after they traded three first-round picks, pick 12 and two more, to trade up and get his services, did not make it to week one, year three. He was gone on the Dallas Cowboys. Brock Purdy said last week to ESPN that Kyle Shanahan told him this offseason, that if they can talk Tom Brady out of retirement, that Tom Brady will be the starting quarterback and Brock Purdy will be the backup. So 
the conversation with the 49ers, like there, there are so many different variables here. He's had an excellent season. He had a bad playoff game. And big picture when it comes to the 49er quarterback position, for being a team now that's in their fourth championship game in five years and has a chance if they win it to get back to another Super Bowl, has been one of the most successful teams in the NFL. But unlike all these other successful teams, the Ravens, the Bills, the, the Chiefs, they don't have like some quarterback that you go, yeah, this guy's going to be the starter for well over a decade. You're going to give this guy, if he stays healthy, several contracts. So it makes them an interesting conversation. But just because you have a bad game does not make you a shitty player, right? I mean, some guys struggle in the weather. Guys that are Hall of Famers, Peyton Manning, Drew Brees. But when everyone tries to, after one game, act like the guy's a scrub, like you're being disingenuous, right? And then the people that get so offended when you say he didn't play well, he did what everyone wanted him to do, he got to the final drive. Well, yeah, the reason they were in that position as a 10-point favorite and I tweeted this during the game, if they had lost that game, me and Stucky talked about it, I think last week, there have been seven teams in the last 25 years that have won as a double-digit underdog in the playoffs. That, it, honestly, it, it's so hard to be a double-digit underdog past the first round. You either have to have a major injury or just on an incredible Cinderella run. And 7 of 25, so we're talking about you know, 25, a little over 25% winning those games it would have been a massive, massive upset. That's a fact. And to be in that position as a team that we acted like was the best team in the NFC all season long to a team at one point that was 2-5. and five. Now, they were hot. They were playing well. But it was because of the offense, which was terrible. The coach gets blamed too. And I, I think this is, we talked about this the other day. Like, Andy Reid is one of the greatest coaches of all time. He's had bad games. Bill Belichick, one of the, I'd argue the best coach of all time, has had bad games. Kyle Shanahan is clearly one of the better coaches in the National Football League right now. He had a bad game. Like, I don't put it on Brock Purdy that he can't throw in the rain. We've seen it now. We know for a fact. It's on the coach to, we can't ask him to throw it 40 times today. We can't just stick with the game plan. I I never understand as a coach that... I understand, and I've seen these guys firsthand, so I respect the amount of hours they put in. And I saw Andy Reid, who I would imagine, knowing people that have been in New England, him and Belichick can go as long as anybody in league history throughout the week of just not needing sleep and working on football. But I do believe that Sean McVay and Kyle and the Grudens, like these guys are nuts, right? So you spend all this time, and you develop this game plan, and then you get into the game. Well, after a couple series, it's, it's okay to scrap some shit. Like, part of doing the work is so you are prepared, but if it's not working, then you have to pivot. That's what we all do in these industries. So I put a lot on Kyle Shanahan in that game, not on Brock Purdy. At the end of the day, the guys picked 262. So comparing him to Josh Allen, who's on a $300 million contract and was the seventh pick in the draft, or Patrick Mahomes, who's already a top three quarterback of all time, who signed a $450 million contract, like, that's a wasted exercise. I think you're an idiot right? But if you can't admit like, yeah, that was really shitty Saturday night. I also think you're an idiot. Like there is some happy medium. And that's the thing with Josh Allen. I saw a lot today of people that I think know what they're talking about when it comes to football. Like, oh, this guy is just never going to get it done. He's just not good enough. What are we talking about? I've been watching football for 30 plus years. That performance last night, I thought was incredible. I was texting with one of my buddies on the scouting staff who went to the game, was on, the, uh, was on one of the buses back to the airport. He's like, what a performance by that guy. I mean, I bet if you ask Andy and Spagnola, and I'm sure they'll get asked about it a little bit this week, but they'll be looking forward, and maybe they got asked about it after the game. Of all your years in the National Football League, how many guys made you as nervous as that guy when he's playing? Is it his fault that his GM paid a guy that was 32, 33 years old in Von Miller to a ton of money and then he tears ACL and he's never been the same? Or that Stefan Diggs down the sideline hits the guy in the hands and can't catch the ball? Now, I'm not trying to act like Josh Allen is Patrick Mahomes because Patrick Mahomes is clearly the best quarterback of his generation right now. But if you think there's like a huge gap between those two guys, especially after last night, who's got the better coach? Who's got the better organization? Who has the better defense, right? That, that does matter. 
Now, when you play in games and you throw several picks, like that, that's you. We, we, or, or you play like Brock Purdy and you can't complete a pass because you can't grip the ball. Like that's a bad performance. Watching Josh Allen on Sunday night, like I thought that was championship level. That, that, that was uh, the highest level in which you can play against another team who is a champion multiple times. So when I see this, like, is this guy ever going to get it done? Think about, like, and I saw, I saw, I don't even know who, but someone comparing him to Peyton Manning. One, Peyton Manning was terrible in the playoffs. Why? Because he couldn't play in inclement weather. He was not very good outside. That ain't Josh Allen's problem. Josh Allen is fantastic in weather. He's literally a weather cheat code. His problem is his organization, when it comes to building the team, has been kind of flawed. And in the past, maybe he's made some mistakes. But now two games they've lost in the last three years. One, his defense gave up two plays, like 50 yards in 13 seconds. And then last night, his kicker missed a kick. And also some of his players just let him down throughout the game. They couldn't get a stop. I mean, it was like the Chiefs weren't punting. It was like field goal, field goal, touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. Fumble out of the back of the end zone that would have been a touchdown. What's Josh Allen supposed to do? Play middle linebacker? Make some tackles? Like, some stuff is pretty obvious. It's fun to act like this guy's never going to get it done. Like, we've seen James Harden enough. The guy folds in the playoffs, right? We've seen Alex Rodriguez back in there, remember, in baseball. Like, he didn't look the same in the playoffs. And now baseball is unique, small sample size. But still, like, I've seen Josh Allen enough in the playoffs. I would take him on my team any day of the week and a hundred times on a Sunday night game if, if I needed to try to win, whether it's January or whether it's October. He might throw some picks. Or he might throw multiple touchdowns and run for 100 yards and keep my team, who shouldn't win the game, in the game. Is he Mahomes? No. <laughs> right? Was Peyton Manning Tom Brady? No. Would you take Tom or Peyton Manning? Yes. So I, I, I just think this notion that Josh Allen can never get it done is just stupid to me. It, it, it really is. Josh Allen, if, I, if he's going to stay healthy for the next five, six years, some of it's on his organization. This is not basketball. I can't just turn into Michael Jordan. I do need some help. There's literally half the game that a quarterback can't do anything. So if your defense is either banged up or not good, it's a problem. Because in football, in January, having a good defense in the history of the league kind of matters. You usually don't see many teams win the Super Bowl. You're like, yeah, their defense was terrible. Right? That's... A problem for the Lions right now. I want to buy into the Lions, but defensively, it's hard to trust them. Even if, like, for win two games, they're going to beat the 49ers, and then they're going to beat either Lamar or Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. It's hard to see that because of their defense. Now, if their defense was good, like, hell yeah, they can win the Super Bowl. But this notion that Josh Allen is some, like, choker or something, yeah, his team hasn't won the game. But watching him in a vacuum, I thought he was pretty freaking good. Just like a couple years ago when they lost to the Chiefs and they changed the overtime rule, pretty sure he had five touchdowns. So some of this discourse, and I get people have to have takes for the TV to cut it up and put it out, but give me a fucking break. The Dan Campbell thing. Most football coaches have similar mindsets when it comes to philosophical beliefs in the sport, right? It's a violent game, so you're going to want violent players. You're going to want big physical guys that hit really hard. Right, You're going to want offensive linemen who are tough as nails. You're going to want players to battle injuries and play when they're dinged up. This isn't peewee football. This isn't high school football. You're paid a premium to play football. And coaches and executives expect that. And owners. Right? It's part of the reason you get paid is to play through you know, bumps and bruises. It's, it's all great players do. Every guy in the NFL playing this upcoming weekend and just played last weekend is not 100%. A lot of guys are closer to 50% than they are 75%. But a lot of coaches, especially the younger generation, you know, Kyle Shanahan or Sean McVay, Brandon Staley was really good at this. They, they talk about football not under those terms. They actually talk about football much more like a dude in the media uh, who has multiple degrees would tweet about football. And they get a lot of praise that way, right? Brandon Staley used to speak early on. He called every reporter by their name and spoke because he's intellectual. He's a smart guy, uh, could hold a conversation 
that felt like he was one of the presses or the media. And the media, let's face it, looks down on people who they feel are intellectually inferior, right? They value academics and academia as a whole, I would say, more than most of us, let's say, in the business world, where we value much more about production, revenue, less about, I, no one cares where you went to school if you produce. <laughs> I knew a lot of guys that didn't graduate high school that were multimillionaires growing up, Fit friends, grandparents, or even parents. Now, it's different generation in 2024. That's probably less likely. But your education level in the real world, I got news for you. When it comes to success, not that a college education, I have multiple degrees, but it, it does not determine your success or failure. Now, there are stats saying you're, you're better off, obviously, going to college than not. But just because you don't does not mean you're guaranteed to not make it in life. That's not how it works. And the entire media is well-educated, and they take academics really seriously. And Dan Campbell felt like the opposite of academics. He talked about fighting and biting and doing whatever it took to win. He gave off, quote-unquote, a meathead theme. Even though a lot of people in the sport of football, I would say, have some meathead qualities. right? To, to love football as much as you do in the NFL or Power Five, as a coach, you have to have some meathead tendencies, right? It's impossible. I didn't love football as much as all the guys I was around. I saw it firsthand, like Andy Reid, Sean McDermott, Matt Nagy, Brett Veach, Howie Roseman, like deep to their core, they just like football more than I do. And I love football. I love football probably more than 95% of people listening to this. But at the highest level of the sport, like, Every guy's a little bit of a meathead, right? That's why we like the sport. But the way you communicate it, like this is why Belichick always kind of drove guys crazy. He treats the press like shit, but everyone acknowledges he's very, very intelligent and he's an academic. So people kind of battle. They just call him an asshole, but no one ever questions his intelligence. People acted like Dan Campbell was a village idiot, was a complete moron, right? And I think he's a great example of Early on, he didn't talk like some of these younger hotshots. Obviously, he didn't look like them either. He's enormous, and he looks like he could still play in the NFL as being a former player. But I think he's a good example of clearly kind of knows what he's doing. And clearly, he relates very, very well with players. The other thing is not everyone is going to have the capability of being Sean McVay or Kyle Shanahan or Matt LaFleur as a play caller, right? Jim Harbaugh cannot call plays. He's a former NFL quarterback. He cannot call offensive plays. Never does it. But you know what Jim does exceptionally well? Hire coaches. And that is a skill that, I'm sorry, is kind of important. Right? Mike Tomlin, why did he hit some kind of rough waters? Hired the wrong coach. Why is John Harbaugh running circles around everyone when Lamar's on the field? Because he has pretty good coaching staff. So, Dan Campbell, like, do you get credit for, I don't know, elevating Ben Johnson and making him your offensive coordinator? Bringing Aaron Glenn to coach your defense? I mean, both these guys could become head coaches. And this notion that, like, is Dan Campbell the next Nick Sirianni? Here would be my pushback on that. Nick Sirianni's guy is Frank Reich, who, listen, former quarterback, I think got extra credit because he's 6'4", looks the part, and played the position. I don't think he's any good. I do not. If I'm playing Frank, I'm sending the limo to make sure he's on the sideline and not a minute late. I do not want him to miss one snap of the game. Dan Campbell's supporters happen to be Bill Parcells, widely regarded as one of the greatest coaches in the history of the league, and Sean Payton, who resurrected a dog shit franchise in New Orleans and then was just given $90 million for the Denver Broncos. And listen, we can debate how good he is or not. He's pretty damn good. Those are the two guys that he comes from. So I think the media missed because he didn't talk and look like them. And let's face it, a lot of guys in the NFL nowadays definitely talk like them. And it buys you a pass. Now, they turn on you immediately when you start losing. But Dan Campbell talked like a position coach. He talked about drinking 60 ounces of coffee before 8 a.m. He talked it about scratching and clawing and doing whatever you had to do to kill the opponent. 
That's how football coaches talk behind closed doors. Whether you're Belichick, whether you're Andy, or whether you're Dan Camp. That's the sport. That's the way you communicate with your players. Now, the way you do it publicly, and a lot of people you know, that cover the sport, I think are just obsessed in general with optics. I've always said optics are the biggest BS thing going in society. It's just about what's actually going on. I'm a big fan of reality. Well, what's actually happening? What's actually going on behind closed doors? What's the reality of the situation? And the reality of football is always going to be, it's a tough man's game. Even in a sport that has tried to regulate violence out of it, and relative to what it was when I was a kid in the early and mid-90s, it's clearly a lot different. It's still a very violent game. It's still a game where people tackle each other at high rates of speed. Guys that do not have much fat on them and have a lot of muscle and a lot of power. It always will be a violent game, no matter what. No matter if you want to tell me that a guy's a defenseless receiver. There is no such thing. When you're running a route, there are defenders that are going to tackle you if you get the ball. And you know that when, you, when the ball is snapped. So I, I think Dan Campbell is just a good example of who gives a shit how he talks. Are you just good at your job? I mean, there, there are a lot of people that their resume, they should be successful in their failures. There are a lot of educated derelicts all over America. Just like there are a lot of people whose resume, from an education standpoint, or the way they communicate, it's like, how is this guy successful? And they're making millions, and they're crushing it in their industry. Props to Dan Campbell for going to a franchise that was trash. <laughs> I mean, an abomination, an embarrassment, and having them in the conference championship game. That's an incredible accomplishment. And last but not least, I think we're really witnessing Belichick Brady 2.0 with Andy and Mahomes because there were some years where they were the favorites and they won it all. There were a lot of years where it's like, ah, they're going to get knocked and they just found a way. I mean, that game in Buffalo was just classic. That was so New England Patriots, it was stupid. Like, that that was the ultimate Belichick-Brady game. It just happens to now be Mahomes and Andy Reid. Well, John Harbaugh has taken down the Patriots back in the day. When they won the Super Bowl, they beat New England in the conference championship game. And Lamar just proved that, like, okay, after a half, took a deep breath. Like, he can look like he did in the regular season in a playoff game against arguably the best young defensive coordinator. Might be on his staff, but D'Amico is, is a star. So to me, like, anytime, I, I've had to change my thought process on this. Should there be a lot of pressure on Andy and Mahomes? It's like, it felt like this year they were playing with a little house money. But anytime you got one of the great coaches of all time and one of the great quarterbacks, there's always pressure to win. Because you just never know how long it's going to last. And they showed, like, they feel pressure. They feel urgency. And they proved it. But when you're the favorite, and you're at home, and your team, top to bottom, is better, like, even if you had a couple beers with Veach, right now, as we're going into this game, whose roster is better? I think their roster is better. Now, one of the great trump cards, every person in the NFL would take Andy over Harbaugh. And obviously, everyone would take Mahomes over Lamar. Just like everyone would take Brady over everyone he ever played in these big games, but sometimes he lost them. And you know how you become a legend? Like, Lamar's going to have his second MVP. He's in rare air just with that distinction alone. But like Eli Manning, who never won an MVP, Joe Flacco definitely never won an MVP, and Nick Foles was barely ever a starter. When they beat the legends, you kind of become a legend. And when you're actually good, you get like extra credit. That's why it would have been so important for the Bills to win that game. It just would have been such a big win for the franchise and the quarterback to have on his resume. Well, Lamar Jackson, despite being favored and getting a team now, I saw Thune's hurt. Obviously, Willie Gay's banged up. I mean, this is a team that just, the Ravens should win this game. But in five years, we won't talk about it. Well, the Ravens should have won that game. If you just win it, six, seven, eight, 10, 20 years later, like, remember that time that Lamar Jackson won the MVP? and knocked out Mahomes out of the playoffs in the conference championship game. So we'll get into the pressure rankings as this week goes on. I I think the 49ers, to me, are still clearly number one. Because even if you lose to Mahomes, it would sting. But you're still losing to Mahomes. It's another thing to lose to the Lions as a touchdown favorite. But we'll get deeper into that conversation. 
I, I do think this is a pretty cool moment for Lamar, who has an opportunity to, I would say, change the conversation around running quarterbacks. Historically, and it kind of looked like that in the first half. You're like, you can't just run around. This doesn't really work in the playoffs. Like, well, it kind of does. <laughs> it kind of does. And now with, you know, assuming I, I, I haven't seen the injury report. I don't, I don't know if Andy talked this morning about Gay, but with the neck injury. Anytime you start losing linebackers, speedy linebackers, against Lamar Jackson, you're at a huge disadvantage. You're at a disadvantage if you have star linebackers playing Lamar because of what a great runner and athlete he is. But the moment he gains an advantage, you get backups in there. If he can run and pass, we just ought to get, you got no shot. So um, this is going to be fun. That game, you know, from a big picture, historical legacy standpoint, listen, I, I'm still a sucker for some of this stuff because it does matter. It, those are the guys, we don't talk about the random players of the 80s. We talk about Elway, Marino, Montana, Kelly, Aikman, Favre, Steve Young. Like that, That's who we talk about. Just like in this generation, in 20 years, the group we're going to talk about, led by Mahomes, is probably Lamar and Josh Allen. And then we'll see how this plays out with some of the other cats. A Jalen, a, Herb, a Herbert, you know, some of these other guys. They, they got a long way to go. But like how you play in these big moments are the way we talk about as we get older, it's the way our kids that are watching them right now, if you're 15 years old, you're going to remember the sport of football. It's like, listen, I love Peyton Manning. Loved him as a kid. He left a little to be desired in big games. He's not as good in cold weather. Like, that's something you never forget. He's got 85 MVPs. He won multiple championships. Like, he had an, a top five career of all time in NFL history. There are still things, if you witnessed it, you don't forget. Right? And that's like right now, Josh Allen, like, fuck, for whatever reason, they just can't, not all his fault, but they just can't, something's missing against the Chiefs. Maybe Lamar gets him. And if you beat Mahomes, it's something, that, that's a notch on your belt that no one can ever take away. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. eBay Motors is here for the ride. You know what I remember about my first car? Is that the moment I got it, I wanted to improve it. Because like most 16-year-old kids, you don't exactly get a luxury automobile. So you look at it, you go, well, I need to add some speakers. I need to tint out the windows. I need to make this thing the coolest car possible so I can cruise around town with all my buddies, waving at the babes, and enjoy myself. So my favorite part of car culture when I was young was definitely the subwoofers in the back of the car. And uh, we built the boxes from scratch, had multiple 12-inch subs, and you could hear me coming from a long, long way away. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, Roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. Okay, you guys know the drill. It's that time of day again. Little Middlecoff mailbag. Fire in my DMs. It's my Instagram account. At John Middlecoff is my Instagram. Got two Fs. Fire in those DMs and get your question answered here on the podcast. We'll start with Nathan. 
My wife is a huge Giants fan, so I appreciated your intel on the Brian Dayball situation. No worries. Just here to pass along what I hear. But I have a question about another topic. We live in Houston, and I'm amazed to see the Texans turn around this year. I fully agree with Colin and your recent hypothesis on the importance of offensive head coaches. My question, what do you think of what D'Amico is doing in Houston, specifically with regards to sustainability in an offensive league? While easier said than done, the combination of an elite defensive mind motivator coupled with a young star quarterback seems ideal. And it has Houston excited for the first time. Also, Buddy's golf trip to Scottsdale, April 11th through the 15th in Scottsdale. Would love your thoughts on the best tracks. I'm a two handicap. Dude can play. Uh, would happy buy you around in TPC? Well, hit me up. Maybe I'll see you there. I'm a, I'm a member there, so I'll just come out and meet you. You don't even need to pay for me. Uh, I, I would say TPC, Weekapow, uh, Greyhawk, are just and, and Troon are ones. Now, they're pricey. Now, depending on that time of year, it might be a little cheaper. But I, I would say that's kind of the group. TPC, Greyhawk, Troon. And Weekapaw, paw, I think is how you say it. I would say, listen, there are certain guys that transcend the offensive league, and D'Amico's one of those. I, I, would, I would bet the house on D'Amico Ryans being a good head coach. Obviously, he had an incredible year. He's been an awesome coach since he started coaching six years ago. <laughs> I mean, the guy was born to do this. So I, I would say he's an outlier. Uh, in a situation. I, I also think he has a unique relationship with the quarterback because he's used to being a team captain. Right? He's a natural leader. I think sometimes the defensive guys can be like the tough, gruff guy. D'Amico, while a former linebacker, I, I think he's just natural with people. And I think that's why sometimes defensive head coaches butt heads with the offensive guys because defense is about violence and inflicting pain, tackling people in space and sacking the quarterback. Well, offense is about scheming. And I think D'Amico's kind of this perfect blend. I'd bet the house on D'Amico Ryan. I'll promise you that. Question for the bag. What are your favorite band's artists? You strike me as a Metallica guy. Uh, <laughs> why is it so common that uh, to say that losing a quarterback played a better game? This week, that's all the talk about Jordan Love. Did he, though? One quarterback had more completions and yards, no turnovers compared to Love's two, and led a game-winning drive in the rain without his top receiver. Not saying Purdy was great, he was clearly off, but helped me understand the mindset. Also, if you're ever in North Florida, bring your sticks. I'll take you disc golfing. Um, my musical taste, yeah, I'm a bit, I like Metallica a lot. Probably not as much as Dan Campbell, but I'm, I, I would tend to lean. I, I like everything. I would say there's no, if you're a talented musician, like I can listen to R&B, I can listen to rap, I can listen to country, I can listen to rock, I can listen to old school stuff, I can listen to Motown. But I would say the two things that I consistently listen to the most would be country music, I love country music, and grunge, like early, mid-90s. Uh, Nirvana, Pearl Jam, Alice in Chains, kind of that whole movement, right? Uh Chris Cornell, in, in anything he does, Soundgarden or Audio Slave, a big fan. Foo Fighters, I like. I, I like the grungy, like a little punk rock. Uh, I loved rap as a kid. I, I don't listen to it as much now, but I still, uh, I still throw on the '90s stuff. I, I don't really vibe with uh, kind of newer hip hop. Maybe it's just I, you know, I grew up Snoop, Eminem, Dr. Dre, kind of that crew of guys. E-40, too short. I, so it's like, if I'm going to listen to hip-hop, I'm not as in the mix with the, the newer crew. Mumble rap, not really my thing. Uh, it feels like R&B's dead. You know, that kind of Boys to Men era, 112. Like, I love R&B. Mariah Carey, Whitney Houston. I mean, you name it. Fuck, I, I, if, you're, if you're talented, I listen to you. I, I never understand people that claim they really like music, but like, I, oh, I hate country music. So no, no, you don't like all music. Like, there's, there's re- really not a genre of music that I don't like, besides maybe opera. Well, I'm not an opera guy. But if you have talent, I can listen to it. Long-winded way of saying. Uh, Love the show. I have followed you and Colin religiously for numerous years. I'm a Pats fan, live in Montana, and yes, love football. I could be totally wrong, but I want to see Buffalo, 
win the Super Bowl. In my humble opinion, they need to fire McDermott and hire a guy who truly owns the division named Bill Belichick. I believe he would love the challenge, give him the chance to go against the Crafts and wonderful for media as he's back in. Uh, he has a quarterback and can set the win record in Buffalo. John, I'm out. Be pretty cool. Now listen, I'm biased. I, I think Sean's a pretty good coach. And I, I think their personnel decisions, which he's a big part of, have let them down. Right? Truly. Because he gets credit this year for firing Ken Dorsey and going with Joe Brady. It was a huge swing for that franchise. Joe Brady is better than Ken Dorsey. Like, we all agree with that. But Bill Belichick's better than Sean McDermott. <laughs> like, you would rather have, if the teams are equal, Bill Belichick over Sean McDermott. I just don't think that's going to happen. And I do think, you know, from the ownership and, you know, an organizational standpoint, it's hard to just turn on them, right? And I know you've lost several times in this situation, but I was listening today at the gym to Rosillo, and he was right. Like, you're ultimately losing to Mahomes, who's better than you. Like, you're, you're not losing to some equal or inferior opponent. Like, some people, Michael Jordan beat everybody in the 90s. Did that age poorly? Like, Charles Barkley couldn't beat Michael Jordan. Malone and Stockton couldn't beat Michael Jordan. If they had lost to some other randos, like, oh, you know, Clyde Drexler got you. And then we'd be like, yeah, maybe they weren't true champions. It's like, fuck, you can't beat Michael Jordan. Welcome to the club, <laughs> right? So it's like, what are they supposed to do? I do think it would be cool, and it'd be fun. I just, I don't think it's going to happen. Do you think perhaps some folks are overreacting to the struggles with the Green Bay Packers? To me, Kyle's decision to sit as second-year quarterback for the second consecutive, two consecutive weeks heading into the playoffs. Okay, well, they sat him. I get, okay, I see what you're saying. Week 18 in the bye week. And then on top of that, establishing the run game early was the real blunder here. Not establishing the runner. I understand how important health is down the stretch, but to me, Brock isn't to the point where he can be expected to sit 20 days and pick up right where he left off. Obviously, understanding sitting the guys like Kittle, McCaffrey, Warner, ETC, but wanted to get your thoughts on if you can overrest young players. That game and that performance was not about rest. Was not about 20 days off. He couldn't grip the football. He could not grip the ball. So if you can't hit the if you can't grip the ball, you have no shot. Right? And for whatever reason this guy in rain has major issues. If you're playing, anyone that listens to this likes golf. Like when you play in the U.S. Open and the rough is really high, if you can't hit the fairway, you will not win. You will lose. Hell, you won't make the cut. You have to hit the fairway, right? In baseball, you eventually got to throw strikes. He could not grip the ball. It was like a basic part of the sport. So to me, it's hard to even judge, like Rusty or whatever. It's like he could he had no clue where the ball was going. I saw Steve Young tell Rich Eisen, like, he just had one of the most efficient seasons in NFL history. <clears throat> so, like, I, I actually was pretty confident that he would look normal, but I didn't understand, or I, I understood it because I saw it earlier this year. I guess I underestimated. I, I, he guy can't grip the ball in water. <laughs> That's just a fact. So I, I think it's less about water. What would that have changed? Like, even if he had played every snap against the Rams Week 18, I think we get the same outcome. I don't think it looks any different. Listener from Maryland. Love the show. As a Ravens fan, both Monkin and McDonald most recently came from coaching college. It's worked pretty well for us. Why don't more teams do this? Well, I would say McDonald, I'm pretty sure if we pull up his resume, he had been with you guys for a while. So he had been in the NFL. And then he only went with Jim Harbaugh for one year. So he didn't spend that much time in college. Obviously, Munkin was with Georgia, but he was in the NFL before that as well. So he, he's bounced around a little bit more. There was a rumor floating around yesterday that a lot of teams are interested in Chip Kelly to be their offensive coordinator. That one is a head-scratcher to me. Like, this isn't 2012. Did you watch their quarterback situation this year? Kind of a disaster. It was not good. The quarterback, five-star guy, was terrible. 
he immediately transfers and goes to Oregon. Their defense was good. Like, they were a defensive team. So, yeah, I mean, if, if you have multiple backgrounds, totally understand being interested, right? Bill O'Brien can go both ways. Munkin can go both ways. Minter and McDonald have coached at both levels. But I, I think sometimes just because a guy is an offensive guy, like, is Cliff Kingsbury, should he be an NFL offensive coordinator? I don't know. I, I understand why he would rather be an offensive coordinator than a college offensive coordinator because you don't want to recruit. But I think teams do it. You know, I think, I think when you look around the NFL, you know, Harbaugh had Fangio in, uh, at Stanford. Uh, you know, Pete Carroll had a bunch of NFL guys with him that kind of go back and forth. So I, I just think it depends. You know, look at Nick Saban, right? Steve Sarkeesian, who had been a coordinator with the uh, Atlanta Falcons. Or, excuse me, started with him, and then he went to the Atlanta Falcons. Obviously, Billy O'Brien and Brian Dayball. Doug Nussmeyer. So I, I think Alabama's been doing it for a while. And, and Jim Harbaugh definitely does it. I, I guess we'd have to do like a study. But I, I think it happens probably more than you realize. Guys kind of jumping back and forth. The money's so big, both spots. It's like whoever pays you more. more. Two-part question. Should the Rams draft J.J. McCarthy in the second or third round? I don't think he'd make it in the third round. Sit him for two or three years and develop him under Stafford. If not McCarthy, then why not Justin Fields? Could definitely save his career and take off the pressure. I think financially it makes a much safer bet for Fields than going to Atlanta or some other dysfunctional organization. It could really set him up for success. Like Colin says, chase great management, which the Rams... I think any quarterback whose career is a little off kilter should always want to go to rehab. Should always immediately want to do that. Right, like uh, Sam Darnold. I think Kyle said last week that Sam Darnold turned down bad teams offering him more money to come to rehab. Carson went signing with Sean McVay. Last year, Baker Mayfield and Sean McVay. Any young quarterback in a weird spot should want a piece of Andy Reid. If the Patriots are going to get rid of Mac Jones, Mac Jones should beg Andy Reid to give him a job. Beg him or Sean McVay or Kyle Shanahan. Beg them. So I'm with you, but a lot of guys don't think like that. And uh, some people have to be humbled before they, it's easier to cross their mind, which I understand. Like Part of being a starting quarterback, there's an ego and a mindset that comes with that. It's hard to turn off. Fields is going to be a fascinating case study. You can tell me he gets traded for a second-round pick, and you can tell me he gets traded for like two fours. Because when you factor in his contract, like. I think we've seen recent mistakes of people making those trades. Sam Darnold was a good example. The Panthers traded for him. They, they picked up his fifth-year option. They gave up a second-round pick, and they paid him a lot of money. Same thing happened with Baker Mayfield. Picked up his, you know, the Browns ate some of that money, but it's the, the money aspect of everything complicates things. Why do you assume Dan Campbell and the Lions offense will regress if we lose Ben Johnson? Goff's numbers actually improved the second half of the first season when Campbell called the plays. I think if Ben goes, I think he's going, (laughs) we will be just fine. Listen, I think we have to acknowledge that Ben Johnson is an elite coordinator. Is he going to be a good head coach? No clue. There is no guarantee going from a play caller running half the team to being a good head coach. It's proven. There is no correlation. We have seen guys that have never been an offensive or defensive coordinator, Andy Reid, John Harbaugh, be excellent coaches. Guys that have never called plays before in their life, Jim Harbaugh, be a good coach. But I think it is fair to wonder, like, is is Dan Campbell as good of an offensive coordinator as Ben Johnson? I don't know if he's not. But as of right now, I, I think that would be a remarkable achievement, and we would talk about Dan Campbell immediately. Like, what the hell is If he can call plays like Ben Johnson's calling plays and lead the group like he leads, I mean, he's just a bigger version of Sean McVay or Kyle Shanahan. I mean, let's, let's call a spade a spade there. So I, I agree, he is not Sirianni. I would rather have Dan Campbell than Nick Sirianni every day of the week and twice on Sundays. Not arguing, mentioned it on the podcast earlier. Not disputing that. But 
I, I do think it's fair to say that Ben Johnson might be a better play caller than him. Maybe they're so loaded now, it doesn't really matter, right? They're, they're the talent on their team with Gibbs, Laporta, St. Brown, Jameson Williams gives them the deep threat. The offensive line, Goff. Why is the talk surrounding Brock Purdy so much different than the talk surrounding almost every other quarterback in the league? I'll use the Packers game as an example. After the game, all the talk around Jordan Love was immensely positive and framed as, Love is a young stud who has a lot of promise. He made some mistakes, but he has, he has a young and bright future. Meanwhile, the talk about Purdy was almost exclusively, look at all the limitations. He can't play in the rain and is holding his team back. Yeah, he made a game-winning drive, but what was really all Shanahan and lucky catches by the receivers? Was an incredible catch by Brandon Ayuk. We should be concerned about the Niners moving forward. Before I finish the rest of your question, because in a vacuum, Jordan Love has physical attributes that Brock Purdy does not. He can throw the ball in the rain and at a velocity that Brock Purdy simply can't. I've said forever, like, I'm a big-arm quarterback. I grew up, you know, in Pat Hill and Andy Reid. I like traits. So Brock Purdy would not be my cup of tea. But once you play and you play well, I can acknowledge he's a really good player. But if you told me bet on one, if I have, both teams have Kyle Shanahan or Matt LaFleur. So I I know I get a good coach. I would take the guy with more traits. It doesn't mean there are things that Purdy doesn't do better than Jordan Love. But this notion of like one guy threw picks, one guy didn't throw any. Couldn't you argue interceptions are a little random? Purdy hit Savage in the fucking hands. Literally dotted him right in the numbers. He would have walked into the end zone. Hit him in the hands. He dropped it. It couldn't have been a worse pass. The passes all night, part of not playing well in, in weather is pretty concerning. So yeah, he threw two picks. They got caught by Drake Greenlaw. Purdy could have thrown four. They, they didn't get caught. So listen, I, I think it's simply of like you're betting on a tools guy. If you did the exercise, they pick up the phone and they say, Jordan Love for Brock Purdy straight up. Kyle and LaFleur get on the phone. Matt LaFleur says no so fast your head spins. Kyle Shanahan might still say no. Him and John Lynch have a meeting. And there are going to be people in the 49ers that would support that. Now, listen, there are things that you can't quantify with Brock Purdy that is part of being a quarterback. From a mental toughness standpoint, to ability to battle through when he's playing shitty, because he was really bad. Like, how can anyone watch that game? Just watch that game and go, God, you know, game-winning drive. The game-winning drive, yeah, he hit a couple passes, which were impressive. But the reason they were in that position is because the balls were flying all over the place. He was horrendous. Kyle was even worse. Kyle, in a weird way, was worse than Purdy in that game. I'm getting increasingly more frustrated with narratives surrounding him due to him constantly moving the goalposts. No one's moving the goalposts. He's a pro bowler. He almost won the MVP. And then he had a horrendous playoff game. Fucking horrendous. No one was voting Jordan Love. Jordan Love didn't make the Pro Bowl. Jordan Love, no one put him in the MVP discussion. I mean, he wasn't a 10-point favorite at home, and he can't grip the ball. One thing thing that I appreciate about Philly is, like, they can be overly negative, but, like, when it's pretty clear, like, everyone's on the same page. One problem with the 49er fan base sometimes is it is like, and this is just the West Coast fan base. There's a lot of like glass half full, very positive people, which I, I respect. I try to be that way too. But like you always get pushed back when things turn negative, even when they're clearly negative. It's like, give them the benefit of the doubt. Well, I did after a couple series. And then it just kept going on and on and on and on and on. I mean, what what are we talking about? Like there's no, this isn't a narrative. The game happened. I like Brock Purdy. I have nothing but admiration for his so far his career and how well he's played. That game against the Packers, separating from what he's overcome, pick 262, starting quarterback, back-to-back NFC Championship games, the stats he put up this year, how explosive he was during the season, that game was shitty. There's no other way to put it. Kyle Shanahan, that game, He was bad. He was bad. It happens. 
Tiger Woods doesn't shoot under par every round. I'm not saying either one of those guys is Tiger Woods, but you know what I mean. Like, you're allowed to have bad games. But when you have bad games, we can acknowledge it. Josh Allen's getting crushed, and he was awesome in freezing cold temperatures. Like, I think it's fair to go, like, why can't Brock Purdy grip the ball in the, in the rain? How does that make any, it doesn't make any sense, but he can't. Uh, one thing I never understood with these big quarterback contracts is they're sort of handcuffs the cap. I understand from your pods, but they can manipulate the cap hits, but the bill eventually comes due. So like, why wouldn't they just take less money and let the organization build an insane football team around them? Is it greed? So like the Bengals have Chase and Higgins that they want to keep around them, but Chase needs an insane contract and Burrow has been paid. So like, sorry, Higgs, hit the bricks, right? Like, why not just take less money and keep rolling? Well, because I, I think Joe Burrow or Mahomes or anybody that's not Tom Brady would go like, that's not my problem. You're paying the GM to build the football team, right? And I know you can manipulate the cap. Like these last couple of years, Josh Allen's cap hit has all been in the teens. So it's on Brandon Bean. He's getting paid millions of dollars. Figure that shit out. I, I'm not the GM. This is not the NBA. I'm not LeBron. I'm not mandating you sign people. You do the best job. Like that's that's the coach and the GM's job, right? And ultimately, I take a little less. You're still manipulating the cap no matter what. So, and at any moment in this sport, you just get your leg shattered, right? I mean, we all see the the commercial with Alex Smith. I mean, that's worst case scenario, but it does happen. You just your career can end. You can never be the same. You can tear something that never recovers. So. And plus, here's the elephant in the room, is the agent. The players are not having these conversations. It's the agent. And I'm not trying to shit on agents, because there are some good ones, and obviously you need people to represent you when you don't know anything about contracts. But they are incentivized to get the most money humanly possible, so they make the most money humanly possible. Right, So their incentives don't lie with the team and the success, while the players even somewhat does. Right, uh, Their incentives strictly for the money. There's, that's, that's not debatable. Question. When the NFL season is over, will you continue the podcast about off-season needs and move into a little NBA? Even though, no. No NBA. We will do uh, football, 365, and we will mix in golf. I, you know what's crazy is like... Uh, I went on my guy Ethan Strauss's podcast because he crushed the NBA for the rate. I just don't watch the NBA anymore. I, and I've watched it my entire life. I've watched, it's already almost February. I haven't watched a game start to finish. So I, I watch football and I watch golf. That's, you know, it's crazy. As you, as you get older in life, you know, I used to watch so much sports in, in my teens and my 20s, even, even five, five years ago when I worked in local radio. Watch every Warrior game. Watch every Giants game. You couldn't pay me to do that stuff right now. And luckily, I can make a lot of money doing what I'm doing now. Because I I can't watch things that I don't want to watch. I mean, I I can't. Now, there are some nights I don't want to watch Thursday Night Football. But it's still football, and I still know everyone else is watching. Uh, So I've kind of... I'm just not your NBA guy. (laughs) You know? Uh, And I'm not a huge... Even though... And I I told a couple people this. I still consume a lot of basketball content. You know, I listen to some podcasts. I, I just don't watch the games. And seeing the ratings, most people don't either. So I, I I just talk about what I like. And I'm just a huge golf guy. I gamble on golf, so we'll do PGA Tour, go low stuff as the football season ends. And we'll do football, you know, through the free agency, through the draft, and uh, like we do every year. So, the, yeah, the podcast will not slow down at all. But I, it's, it's hard for me to talk about th- these other sports that I'm not watching. You know, I'm not, this isn't first take. I'm not trying to just include everything. We're just, and I'm playing that, you know, football, luckily, a lot of people care about it. So we'll do that. Golf's a little bit of a passion project, though. I, I got some ideas for my, my old YouTube channel. Uh, but other than that, we, uh, we might try to expand a little bit golf-wise with some interviews. I, I love gambling on golf. I mean, that's a huge, I, I've gambled on every golf tournament so far this year. Can't help it. I told myself I wasn't going to until football started or ended, and then I just, I keep winning. Keep hitting some top tens. Been listening to you for a while now. I've noticed a point that you repeatedly emphasize in the teams 
should not be hiring head coaches that do not call plays. Young head coaches. Young head coaches. Like if if Bill Belichick's available, or John Harbaugh or Mike Tomlin or Jim Harbaugh, totally get it. I cannot hire a 43-year-old. I cannot hire Robert Sala or Nick Sirianni at 42 years old, and they can't call plays. I, I can't do it. I generally agree. However, I know you are a defender of Dan Campbell. He called plays two years ago, and then he gave it to Ben Johnson. So like the guy that emailed earlier, like he called plays and they actually improved. I think he fired Anthony Lynn or demoted Anthony Lynn during the season. Maybe kicked him off the staff. I, I can't totally remember. But like he has shown he can do that. Nick Sirianni can't. He demoted himself. My issue is young coaches. If I'm going to hire a guy, I'd argue under 50, I'm hiring you because you were just a coordinator. Then you just become the CEO. It's actually easier to be the CEO because you can in football because you can blame other people. It's like, oh, it's not my problem. Just get, get on the coordinator. What offseason moves do the Packers need to make to get them over the hump and be an elite playoff contender? Well, I saw a headline today that uh, that uh, Matt LaFleur wouldn't commit to Joe Barry. So this always gets to, before we make moves, who's our coaches? Some of, these, some of the teams don't have a head coach right now. So I, I can't talk about anything with the organization until you got a head coach. I think the Packers, we're going to look squarely at defense. Was well, Joe Barry coming back? Or are they firing Joe Barry and they're getting a new defensive coordinator? Because then I think that changes. Well, if they get a new defensive coordinator, what scheme does he run? What type of players does he like? So before we can say, well, they need to get this player, well, who's calling the defensive plays? And until we know Joe Barry's status, which I think is fair to say is up in the air, then yeah. I'm a Bears fan watching the Ravens dismantle the Texans in a high-pressure playoff game. And I keep asking myself, how on earth does anyone in the Bears management or the coaching staff think we can't compete with these guys? And how does my idiotic fan base think drafting a wide receiver will be the difference maker? Keep Justin Fields or trade him. Draft Caleb or don't. Hire the best staff or don't. We have zero shot unless we land a stellar coach like Jim Harbaugh who can button up our squad and bring a winning culture and mentality. How come teams like the Ravens and even historically pitiful Texans can get out of their own way and become great, while the Bears can't swallow their pride and open their wallets to get the best coaching uh, and quarterback duo in Harbaugh and Caleb in decades and at least have a chance to compete? I think this gets back to the setup in that organization. Once they name Kevin Warren the president and everyone answers to him, that he's not going to want to change it. He, he wants to get people that can function under him. I heard Michael Lombardi or, or maybe Bill Simmons or someone talking like, why do the Atlanta Falcons keep interviewing all these other people? Well, if you're Rich McKay and Terry Fontenot, do you want Bill Belichick in your building? Of course not. Who do you think Arthur Blank's going to listen to if he hires Bill Belichick as their coach? Those guys' opinions? Hey, uh, this, hey, Arthur, this is uh, Rich McKay. I got a couple philosophical beliefs on football that I think we should implement to our team. Or you think they're going to listen to Bill? So of course that they're interviewing all these coordinators. Because once you hire a coordinator, even if he's a highly thought of coordinator, they are going to have to answer to people. And they will. Bill won't. So I, I think this gets back to the Bears. If they would have fired him, there would have been a ton of pressure to go hire Jim Harbaugh. Well, we already know that Jim Harbaugh can't stand Kevin Warren. Because Kevin Warren wanted to cancel football. It's what he wanted to do. Which aged about as poorly as uh, some milk when you leave it outside. Jim Harbaugh can't stand that guy. I actually think a lot of football administrators, right, commissioners... Those guys in college football, I, I, I would red flag. I wouldn't want to work with them either. Now, there doesn't mean there aren't some good ones. Clearly, Greg Sankey's pretty impressive. right? But we have a long line of seeing guys like, yeah, I don't know if I trust that guy. From Larry Scott to that guy. And now that guy gets to run an NFL team? It seems insane to me. The GM has to answer to that guy? Ryan Poles, who learned under Andy Reid and Brett Veach and John Dorsey, answers to that guy? So it starts at the top, and the owners allow this shit to happen, and then they find themselves in these situations. 
If you tell me at the Combine that Kevin Warren is in the room, I won't be shocked at all. Will not be shocked at all. If at the Combine, Kevin Warren is part of these interviews. So he can go back to the ownership and tell him his opinion. Even though if that guy fails, he'll blame the coach and the GM. It's, it's the most incredible spot to be in. That's where Belichick's, that everything's on their plate. Pete Carroll, Andy Reid, we get to run football. So when anything fails, it's, it's on us. But when we succeed, it's also us. You don't get to take the credit. Owner does, but not some president guy. I mean, we're all, we're all in this together, but you don't get to like dip your toe in half in, half out. Either do the business stuff and separate, or just basically be the pseudo general manager. Because that's what you want to do, because that's how you get famous in football. So I, I think it gets back to the Bears, you know, the way they've set up their organization. Something that I think the Chargers are dealing with right now. It'd be very interesting to hear some of these conversations with Jim Harbaugh and the Spanos family. Like, I don't want to answer it anymore. This is my baby. <laughs> this, is, this is what I want to do. Which is risky, too, because some coaches can do weird stuff when it comes to the draft. The Volume. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Zero Foxtrot isn't just a brand. It's a way of life. Founded and operated by veterans, Zero Foxtrot's unique apparel and gear echoes the grit of the warrior culture. Zero Foxtrot dedicates itself to producing content, honoring the sacrifices of forgotten heroes of the past, and connecting history to the present. Embark on a journey with Zero Foxtrot today at ZeroFoxtrot.com. It's not merely our products. It's about the ethos that we embody. Rugged, resilient, and timeless. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota.